Welcome to Applebee Asia Talks. My name is Bronwyn King. I'm a partner in the investment funds team in Applebee's Hong Kong office. Applebee Asia Talks is intended to cover five common questions that we're asked on the topic at hand and wherever possible we try to keep the conversation concise. Today we'll be talking about segregated portfolio companies and I'll be joined by my fellow partner Mark Parrott. This conversation does not constitute legal advice Instead, its purpose is merely to provide our thoughts on the issues pertaining to structuring an SPC and when and where they may be an appropriate vehicle for your investment fund. Okay, let's get underway. Hi, Mark. So um, today I was on the call with uh, a client who's a PRC law firm and and their client who's an emerging manager. Um, They had a principal investment strategy and a specific geographical focus but they had a number of, they were very energetic and they had a number of, of other strategies that they wished to pursue. This was their first fund. So we batted around, you know, the different structures that they could consider from operating a standalone company to act as the investment fund for the, the first investment strategy or alternatively go in with a segregated portfolio company and an initial segregated portfolio I know you and I have spoken quite a lot about the segregated portfolio company, which is commonly referred to as SPC. Um, so I thought we'd just get straight in there and see what see what your thoughts were. Segregated portfolio company, okay. So they can they can set up separate segregated portfolios and 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 do different things on a single platform. I understand why you know it sort of sounds appealing, certainly at first blush. I guess I've always uh, had a little, bo- little bit more of a tempered enthusiasm for SPCs. Mm. Whereas I, I think they're a really great product and they're really well utilised here in Asia. But I, I agree with you. I think, particularly with the emerging manager, I think that they really need to, to stop and do a really good cost analysis and a, and a break-even based on what their assets under management is going to be at launch rather than what they think they're at. Um, that AUM is going to be sort of six months away because I, I have seen situations where the emerging manager has set up the SPC and they didn't really need it. They didn't get the AUM that they that they had hoped and then at the end they were deregistering a fund with a lot more costs than, than they needed. And I get it at, on day one that you know it might seem like it's just a couple of basis points in terms of the annual fees. But if things go wrong, every dollar counts and so I really think that discipline of asking yourself do you really need this product on day one or should you just really put all your resources into a standalone fund is is really sensible. I think you, you sort of hit the nail on the head in a sense when you when you talk about the the, the cost angle here because if you, if you if you sort of take a step back and you think about what are you really achieving with an SPC, in simple terms, what what you're achieving is potentially avoiding having a number of separate companies, mm. right? And and simply achieving within a single company what you could otherwise achieve identically. In, in, in multiple separate companies, mm. okay? That's really 
all an SPC is, and it's really all it does, okay? So to me, I, I, I sort of feel like you've then got to ask yourself, okay, well, instead of having three separate companies, I'm, I'm going to have one with three segregated portfolios on it. What does that really mean? Well, sure, I've, I've saved some money at the registrar of companies in terms of incorporating three different companies. I'm saving some money, you know, with registered office fees, you know, probably not being 3x, mm. uh, you know, maybe some small incremental fee that's payable to the registrar of companies, uh, small incremental fee that's payable to SEMA, so I might I might say okay well three companies incorporation registered office registered agent SEMA per annum you know six thousand seven thousand three companies well that's you know eighteen twenty one thousand mm-hmm. dollars okay and instead of twenty one thousand I I might be at you know again sort of you know, roughly a third of that, okay? So let's say I've saved, I don't know, $15,000. Well, $15,000 is, is, is in some respects a material amount of money. But if you're, if you're talking about a structure with, you know, certainly with, you know, hundreds of millions, possibly even tens of millions of dollars in it, is saving $15,000 sufficiently material that you take on potentially some of the side effects or the the potential less optimal aspects of of having an SPC versus having three separate companies. Mm. When you have a look at the breakdown, um, a standalone company will cost you $6,000 for the registrar annual fees plus the registered office. And then if you're looking at an SPC, it's it's more like nine, $10,000. The SEMA fee, I think, is kind of sizable. So um, if you just look at the SEMA fee, it's $4,600, and that covers you know, both the standalone and the SPC. So I can totally see why people at first blush go, oh, that's a nice cost saving. But I, I do agree with you. I think when you're building a portfolio of investment funds um, and you're getting you know, three or four investment funds, that, that cost saving looks pretty sizable and it's pretty attractive. But I still think you should be focused on first principles. If it's your first fund, if you're your emerging manager and it's your first fund, I think you should just really focus on that fund. Just go out easy on the standalone. I have seen the platform, though, utilised by an asset manager really effectively, and that cost saving was huge. But they had so they had 20 portfolios, so it completely makes sense at that when you're at that level of, of um, investment management and you've got a huge amount of AUM. But um, the, the other issue that, you know, we've talked about quite a lot is, um, you know, the trips and traps of an SPC. Um, and it's particularly relevant to an emerging manager who obviously knows what they're doing, right? So they, they totally understand uh, their investment class, what they're doing in terms of trading and their strategy. But they, they may never have run a company before. And um, where the biggest trap I've seen in this space is, you know, where the, the manager or the board will go out and enter into an agreement, you know, particularly on the brokerage side or the prime brokerage, and they haven't limited their recourse in that contract. And then, boom, you know, you've got really a very uncomfortable scenario or a potentially uncomfortable scenario. Have you seen, have you seen that? Is that something that you advise your clients about? 
I mean, I definitely agree you need to be very careful operating a, a segregated portfolio company that you do in every in every action that you take really uh, compartmentalise what you're doing and make sure that it's clear uh, in the contracts, in the resolutions, in the other documents, which which portfolio you're, uh, you're acting on behalf of. I mean, I think that is, again, something where, you know, if you were doing something with, with company A, company B and company C, you would never sort of need to be so precise about what you're doing. It's just the company in each instance. Mm. Uh, you can just refer to the company and it's all very clear. Um, with an SPC, not so much so. I, I sort of struggle with the um, with the fact that just mere legal segregation is, is all you need in a sense, which, you know, if... If you set up two separate funds, Fund A and Fund B, again, using using two separate companies, the investors in, in you know, Fund A not really paying any attention to what Fund B is doing. It's clearly an, an arm's length third party entity, right? It happens to be managed by the same manager, but it's very arm's length. If Fund B implodes, um, which of course is really what the segregated portfolio is there to protect against in circumstances where you have one portfolio implode and, and, and ring fence in the assets and liabilities of the others. Well, if, if I'm in Fund A and I see Fund B implode, I don't need to rush off to a Cayman lawyer to you know make sure I can sleep at night and, and that I'm comfortable that my assets are not going to be somehow subsumed into that insolvency. If I'm in a segregated portfolio sitting next, you know, and I'm now in segregated portfolio A, segregated portfolio B implodes, well, sure, I can run off to a Cayman lawyer who's going to attempt to to give me great comfort that this is all segregated and the company's act says so and it's all going to be fine. And I may, I may think that's enough. I'm not sure history has shown that that's always enough. And I think... You know, particularly if, if both of these funds are open-ended funds, I think the likelihood that investors in Fund A are simply going to redeem all their money, not wait for some Cayman lawyer to tell them it's all okay, I think is a real commercial risk, right? Mm. That, again, if, you, if you'd set these up as separate funds, uh, is just something that uh, you're not going to have to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, it's it's... For these trade-offs, for the trade-offs of, you know, as you're saying, you know... 6,000 bucks. Correct, correct. Now, you know, I agree with you at, you know, the more the more you operate this at scale, mm-hmm. the more material the sums of money you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But the more you're operating at scale, the more likely it is that you've got larger and larger amounts of AUM mm-hmm. and even, you know, you, you get to a point where even, you know, annual maintenance fees of potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars next to assets of a billion, you know, I mean, it's still, to me, not always immediately clear that the SPC is is a no-brainer. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I agree. But once again, I mean, I you know, there is an agility that comes with having an SPC because all your service providers um, have KYC'd the legal entity and so when you're building out your next fund, there, there are some cost savings, there are some time efficiencies that you get with the SPC. But, you know, I, I totally agree. And that's why I said that trap that I, I do see is where managers have entered into a contract um, that hasn't limited recourse, doesn't have limited recourse language, which means that, 
you know, there is an issue around whether your assets and liabilities are protected in your other portfolio, which would make me lose sleep, sleep at night. I think you make a good point regarding certain aspects of, of potentially time to market with a new product. I think that is a fair comment. Particularly on the bank account side these days. Yeah, particularly on the bank account side, which, you know, obviously is a big issue for, for everybody. Also um, yeah, but, but, you know... Again, just to sort of to put that in in some perspective, you know, I think if if you if you set up a standalone fart, then you use administrator A and auditor A, um, broker A, uh, you know, independent director A, whatever your, your your ecosystem is, and then you sort of you set up again a, a separate standalone company, and you go back to administrator A and auditor A and independent director A and broker A, and you say, well. It's not company A anymore, it's company B, but, you know, everything's the same. I, I think you're right. I think potentially, you know, if you, you know, if you're really talking about an extremely compressed, you know, launch timetable, I think perhaps you're right. The SPC might get you there slightly faster. But, yeah. again, it's not, it's just not a, to me, a deal breaker sort of reason that you you must sort of use the SPC. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, in Asia, the deals run fast. And so, you know, there there are so many, you know, times where, you know, when we don't have that three month time frame to, to launch and three months is aggressive. But um, when you step into to China, three months is, is forever. <laughs> and the time frames are more like four, four weeks. Uh, if you're lucky. Okay, so I think there's another aspect that, that that managers need to consider and that that is who are their investors and are they do that you know are they are they familiar with the with an SPC structure? You know, are there do they have any internal restrictions in utilize or investing into an SPC? And so, you know, the the warning would be know your client and make sure that you know your client is going to be comfortable with this structure and that you're not going to be spending lots of time trying to get them comfortable once you've you know you've already incorporated the entity and built all of the the fund documents for it agreed i mean i've had institutional investors you know i've worked with clients on the establishment of funds and then had certain, you know very limited cases but you know cases where institutional investors have said verbatim you know verbatim said we do not invest in segregated portfolio companies. So it is, it is something that, you know, not notwithstanding, you know, the, the you know, this is only the Cayman SPC. It's, it's been litigated. It's 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 been upheld. I think it is a robust structure from a legal perspective. But uh, you know, notwithstanding that, there are some there are some investors who who just take a policy position. Mm. I've never, to be to be honest, I've never had that in Asia. I, I had that when I was, uh, you know, actually in the Cayman Islands, more more facing the North American market. Yeah, similarly, um, um, yeah. Europe's the same, but mm. here in Asia, it's quite a different scenario, mm. where it's it's such a popular popular vehicle. Anyway, that was a good conversation. Thank you very much, and I guess that's a wrap for SPCs. Uh, Mark and I are partners in the in in Appleby in the Hong Kong office. We've both been practicing law. F- for more than 20 years each um we've been offshore for more than 15 years each we're old we've seen a lot and if you have any other questions we'd be delighted for you to to come and um touch base with us and we will 
catch you on our next conversation. Thanks for listening. Thank you.